0: Good morning, and welcome to a special edition of Cityscape, I'm Shane April. The 2008 presidential race could be the first in more than 40 years to pit two New Yorkers against one another in a general election. Early polls show New York Senator Hillary Clinton and former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani near the top of the pack in the race for the Democratic and Republican nominations. This morning, a look at what could be two tumultuous bids for president.
1: At this moment, when the public is really, really, really concerned about the state of the nation, Who has the character to be president?
0: Time Magazine's Joe Klein helps us sort out a presidential field with more than 17 candidates. And music in presidential campaigns, from Robert Payne to Fleetwood Mac. We'll talk to historian Paul Bowler. Some
2: of them just were positive about the candidate themselves. Others were negative. Even the very first ones were pretty nasty.
0: You're listening to a special edition of Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. New York has been a historical stepping stone to higher office. Three New York governors have made it to the White House, Grover Cleveland, Teddy Roosevelt, and FDR, who won his final term in 1944 by defeating another New York governor, Thomas Dewey. The only New York City mayor to give a presidential race a real try was DeWitt Clinton in 1812. As the Federalist nominee for president that year, he lost in a landslide to James Madison. Another notable failure is that of New York Senator William Seward in 1860. Widely presumed the frontrunner for the presidency, he was considered a shoe-in for the Republican nomination. That was until the surge of a little-known politician from Illinois. In Congress for less than two years, Abraham Lincoln gained a reputation as a great orator and in the process won the nomination. Modern times have seen far fewer presidential candidates from New York until the 2008 race. Hillary Clinton and Rudy Giuliani are already running. Former Governor Pataki is considering a run, and Mayor Bloomberg is even being encouraged. But most eyes are on Senator Hillary Clinton, and as she embarks on her historic run, she has more than just a popular orator from Illinois to contend with. WFUV's
3: Dan Rafter has a look at her campaign. As Senator Clinton moves forward with her campaign for the White House, she needs to win over voter support in key primary states like Iowa and New Hampshire. The senator paid a visit to Iowa just a few weeks ago, where she talked about issues ranging from the war in Iraq to education to health care. The crowd, a large number of them women, greeted the senator with wild enthusiasm.
4: I believe that I have a lifetime of experiences as well as qualifications from all the work that I've done that make me particularly well-prepared to take office in January
1: 2009.
3: Jim Demers, a Democratic activist in New Hampshire, says Clinton and her team began making preparations for a presidential run a long time ago.
1: I would say that the foundation has been laid for at least a year or two and that she's in very good shape to bring it up another notch now.
3: Demers says the Clinton campaign has been emailing New Hampshire voters for several years. The senator has also maintained friendships with many activists responsible for her husband's successful White House runs in 1992 and 96. But none of that guarantees Clinton an easy New Hampshire win. Senator Barack Obama visited the state in early December, and Demers says the Illinois Democrat energized the crowds like no other candidate has for quite some time. Demers says Obama is already proving to be a serious challenger to Clinton.
1: For a lot of people, they were thinking that there was Senator Clinton and then the rest of the pack, and we would see the campaign go on through the summer, and then somebody might break out of that pack. It now looks like Barack Obama has broken out of that pack early.
3: Kathleen Strand, the communications director for the New Hampshire Democratic Party, echoes Demer's sentiments, and she agrees that Clinton's biggest threat early on may be Barack Obama.
5: She has a profound understanding of the need and the importance of that retail politics, that living room setting where she can connect with people. And I think that Senator Obama showed during his first trip that he understands that significance as well. He was Very comfortable and very intimate with the audience. and So I think that the two of them are going to run tremendous campaigns here in the state.
3: Mastering retail politics is also crucial to coming out on top in another key primary state, Iowa. Gordon Fisher is a top Democratic activist there.
1: Whichever candidate wins Iowa, whichever candidate wins New Hampshire is going to earn it. They're going to earn it the old-fashioned way by campaigning city-to-city, block-to-block, person
3: to person. Fisher says I was Governor Tom Vilsack may present the largest threat to the Clinton campaign in the state. Vilsack is also seeking the Democratic nomination, and Fisher says he wouldn't be surprised if the governor emerged victorious in the caucus. Fisher says another problem Clinton may face in Iowa is, ironically, her near-celebrity status.
1: If there are 60 news cameras <laughs> or 60 reporters surrounding her as she's trying to work the room at a union hall or trying to walk around the tables at a coffee house, it's going to make it very difficult for her to have that one-on-one contact with the potential Iowa caucus goers that she needs.
3: Fisher doesn't think any Democratic candidate, including Clinton, has an easy campaign ahead. For the Democratic Party.
1: It's an embarrassment of riches. We've got several top-tier, high-quality candidates.
3: Since she declared her candidacy, voter opinion in Iowa and New Hampshire seems to have turned in favor of Clinton. A late December poll found Senator Clinton finishing fourth in Iowa, but a February 5th poll found her on top, leading John Edwards by over 15 points. The same poll found Clinton 20 points ahead of Barack Obama in New Hampshire. I'm Dan Rafter, WFUV News. Senator
0: Clinton could be the first woman in history to be nominated by a major party for president, something she hasn't shied away from on the campaign trail. Now,
4: I know there are people who either say or wonder, would we ever elect a woman president? And I don't think we'll know till we try. going
0: to try and with your help i think we can do it the first woman in american history to win a spot on a major party ticket is also from new york and she joins me now former congresswoman and 1984 democratic vice presidential nominee geraldine ferraro welcome to cityscape Thank you. It's been 22 years now since you became the first female nominated on a major party ticket. Uh, what's changed for women in American politics since then uh, that's made it maybe easier to be on the national stage uh, than it was for you at the time?
4: Well, I think for one thing, we have many, many more women in um, in positions of leadership in this country. That certainly did not exist in 1984 when I got the nomination. and certainly didn't exist in 1978 when I was first elected to Congress. Um, when I was in, uh, when I left to run for uh, vice president, uh, there were approximately, I think, maybe 26 women in the House, and uh, there was one woman in the United States Senate. That was Nancy Kassenbaum, who had been elected in 1978, Republican. Um, now there are 16 women in the Senate. There are women governors, a good number of women governors. There are close to 90 women in the United States House of Representatives. Uh, We have a woman who is Speaker of the House.
0: When you look back at the 1984 campaign, the media scrutiny that came with being this first for women in politics, is that something you were prepared for?
4: No, no, I would say three-term member of Congress, Uh, my, you know, to get a, a, an article in the New York Times. You had to come from Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just I was—I never had anything. The Times—they never bothered to even call us. I was a you know, new member of Congress from Queens, but no, I wasn't ready for the scrutiny, and I wasn't ready—I wasn't ready to deal with with uh, with the national and international media. I mean, I—I I, when I was questioned on something, I would with my sense of humor, which is very much Queens and very much New York, which I'm very proud of. Um, it sometimes it didn't fly when you were talking on a national level with people who were, you know, hearing it in Iowa and, and Mississippi and in other places throughout the country.
0: Do you think gender is still a major issue for American voters or will voters evaluate Senator Clinton based on her qualifications, whether or not they think she'll be a good candidate?
4: Yeah, I think they're ready. They're ready for a very good candidate. And I don't think gender is an issue. Let me put it to you that way. I really don't think that gender is as any longer an issue, and I do think that they're ready for this particular woman, Hillary Clinton. Uh,
0: have you spoken to the senator since she announced her run? Yes. Uh, did she ask you for any advice, or did you give her any advice?
4: No, and, and my discussions with, with uh, the senator are private, but, but let me just suggest to you this, that she doesn't need my advice. The one bit of advice that I would give to her challengers is, you know, don't underestimate her.
0: You're listening to a special edition of Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. He was mayor of one of the largest cities in the world, and he gained national acclaim during one of America's greatest tragedies. But Rudy Giuliani has some work to do if he wants to win the Republican nomination for president.
1: Terrorism can't stop us. American democracy is much stronger
0: than a vicious, cowardly terrorist, and we're going to overcome this. This is the Rudy Giuliani most Americans know, the reassuring face of a grieving city and nation on 9-11. And for many Republican primary voters, it's likely the only Rudy Giuliani they know. For the last five years, Giuliani hasn't had to look far for adoration from Republicans and Democrats alike, but now that he's a declared presidential candidate, critics aren't hard to find.
1: When you look at his position on gay rights as well as abortion on demand, uh, he's more of a Democrat than he is a Republican.
0: Reverend Rick Scarborough is the founder and president of Vision America, a Texas-based group of Christian conservatives. He says Giuliani's positions on abortion and gay rights should all but disqualify him for the Republican nomination, and he's not alone. Giuliani's team is well aware of the negatives, and is setting out to convince skeptical conservatives that he's actually one of them. Steve Malanga, a senior fellow at the conservative think tank the Manhattan Institute, says it's not a hard sell.
1: If you look at Giuliani's record in governing New York City, he governed New York City using conservative principles. The way he approached crime, uh, welfare reform,
0: During his two terms as mayor, Giuliani aggressively cut the city's welfare rolls. He made enemies of civil libertarians who sued the administration more than 20 times, and he challenged the liberal orthodoxy that dominated New York City government. Filmmaker Kevin Keating, a longtime Giuliani critic, documents the former mayor's political clashes in the film Giuliani Time undoing the New Deal. That's really the thesis of the film is he, he came
1: in and, and destroyed the legacy of LaGuardia come Roosevelt and
0: replaced it with the Manhattan Institute program of hard Reaganite uh, anti-liberal uh, state. Keating reflects the sentiment of many Giuliani critics of the time, who warned his policies would lead to skyrocketing crime and homelessness. Fred Siegel is author of the book The Prince of the City, Giuliani, New York, and the Genius of American Life. He says Giuliani's push for welfare reform is just one of many examples where the former mayor fought the liberal establishment toward a conservative goal.
1: With the conflicts he had, he, was, he inherited a failed city, which was bankrupt, crime-ridden and being written off by much of the country. For most Americans, insofar as they look at this, his taking on these special interests is a very good
0: thing. Giuliani linked his social welfare reforms with a strong stance on law and order. He enacted tough policing policies and although they led to constant confrontations with the city's black leaders, crime dropped by historic margins. Political reporter Andrew Kurtzman has covered Giuliani since before his first campaign for mayor and is author of the book Rudy Giuliani, Emperor of the City. Kurtzman says most of Giuliani's record isn't likely to hurt him in a Republican primary. If they want to point out that he had hardball police tactics or that he wouldn't succumb to racial arsonists, I think that could only do him some good running in a Republican primary. But even if Giuliani fails to bring skeptical conservatives to his corner, Kurtzman says his status as 9-11 hero may alone be enough to win Giuliani a primary. Both in New York City when he battled crime and in America uh, on 9-11, he became Uh, something above a politician. He became someone who could
3: protect your personal security. And when a public figure has that distinction, that's really powerful. And I think that can outweigh a lot of negatives.
0: On the campaign trail, it's a mix for Giuliani. At a recent event in New Hampshire, the former mayor gave a speech full of references to 9-11, but he also touted his record as mayor, which he characterized as one of common-sense conservatism. Giuliani says for the GOP to win in 2008, unity needs to be the focus. The issues that
2: unite us are, uh, are, very, are very, very powerful ones. A faith in individual freedom, a core belief in fiscal conservatism, a commitment to winning the war on terror, and a commitment to bringing peace to the world. But
0: in talking about his Republican principles, Giuliani is careful to stay away from abortion and gay rights, banking on the party faithful finding appeal in a centrist. While Giuliani may struggle with primary voters in Iowa and South Carolina, the push by less conservative states like California and New Jersey to move up their primaries could give Giuliani some early momentum. It's something he'll likely need to have any chance of going from former mayor of one of the most liberal cities in the nation to the Republican nominee for president. The former mayor is in California this weekend, and among the items on his agenda is a meeting with Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger, the man leading the push to move up the date of the California presidential primary. With me now to analyze a race that seems like it's already in full swing is Time Magazine's Joe Klein. He's the best-selling author of Politics Lost, his latest book, and Mary Dixon. She currently heads the nonprofit Right to Play, and she's a former deputy press secretary for former Vice President Al Gore. For the better part of the last three years, Joe Klein, the conventional wisdom has been, if Senator Clinton wants the Democratic nomination in 08, it's essentially hers, and no one can really stop her. Uh, has that changed...
1: Well, it's, it, it has in common with most conventional wisdom that it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, this thing hasn't started yet. We haven't had an election. People haven't voted. We don't know how Hillary Clinton is going to perform on the stump, and I have grave doubts about her, you know, kind of presidential skills.
0: Uh, Mary, what do you think of that? And, and can Hillary Clinton overcome the questions about her electability?
5: Um I think there is a possibility to that, but we won't know for at least a whole year on that. Um, But I think the race has begun, and I think there is a little more hope for um, Senator Clinton, especially after um, the polls that have come out today and after her first time on the stump. So I think some of the people who would be voting for her in the primaries have seen her on the stump, and she's getting relatively positive um, poll numbers right now in New Hampshire and Iowa. Uh,
0: talking about uh, message, uh, how do you assess, both of you, uh, what Senator Clinton is presenting to voters and uh, the media uh, since she announced? Uh, I, I was recently on her website, and, and I noticed that she doesn't even have an issues page, something that sort of gives voters specifics about where she stands on Iraq or, or other domestic issues. Uh, so what, Joe Klein, is she telling voters?
1: not enough yet but it's just the beginning and uh... you know i think that one of the great advantages that she brings into this is that she knows stuff she really um has deep experience with the issues. She had, I've been particularly impressed by the effort she's put in, into learning national security issues, which is not an area of specialty for Democrats in the past. It's been one of the biggest problems the Democratic Party has. But she really knows military stuff now, and, and that's very important. And, um, you know, as for the gender question, I think that her knowledge on important issues... Uh, especially at this moment when the public is really, really, really concerned about the state of the nation. I think that that's going to be far more important in the end than either race or gender as an issue. Who has the character to be president?
5: I want to be as hopeful as Joe is on that. Um, I feel that the, the voters are really interested in some very, very important issues, but I do think it's inevitable, and especially with the media, is going to constantly bring up the gender issue. So there will be a debate in this country about it.
0: Uh, looking at the Republican side of things, the, the discontent among the conservative wing of the party, uh, at least about the early frontrunners for the nomination, seems to be growing. Uh, and, uh, Joe, that can't be a good sign for former Mayor Rudy Giuliani.
1: Well, we'll see how people respond to Giuliani. I think that Giuliani's viability is going to be very much at the mercy of events in the world. I mean, if things really go haywire in the next year in Iraq, and if, God forbid, we have a uh, another terrorist event here, um, you know, Giuliani's going to seem a lot more plausible. People, you know... Re- Republicans, especially movement conservatives, may be willing to over overlook his um, you know his kind of heterodox views on social issues. Um, I was just at this conservative summit that uh, that the uh, the New, uh, the National Review, uh, the famous conservative magazine, held, and I got to say, you're right. I mean, the conservatives are not very pleased with their choices right now.
5: But I think the Republican Party, if the conservatives in the Republican Party, must be scared right now because they don't really have a really great choice. Um, because their, their top polling nominees, potential nominees, are um, a little more conservative on social issues for them.
0: Uh, in the early polls, uh, I, I know you, both of you uh, agree that they don't mean much, but they do suggest that uh, we could possibly see a general election where uh, the, the nominees of both major parties uh, are from New York. Uh, did either one of you think the, the country would uh, stomach that?
1: No, <laughs> I don't think the country would. I don't think it's going to happen.
5: Right. I think it would be really hard for the country to handle that. Um, But I think there is a possibility it could happen.
0: All right. Well, while it's probably far too early for predictions, I'm going to ask you both anyway. Uh, First to Mary, will either Senator Clinton or former Mayor Giuliani win their party's nomination?
5: Yeah, I do. And I feel Senator Clinton has a really good chance for winning her nomination. And I'm not as... Um, po- is positive about Giuliani. I think he's going to have a really tough race with McCain. We haven't talked about him today. But I think McCain, Giuliani, um, and, you know, Mitt Romney may throw out some- be a surprise candidate somehow, but I think Mitt Romney, and, I mean, um, John McCain and um, Giuliani are going to play hardball, I guess, in all these primary states. And um, I think Senator Clinton is going to prove herself as a um, really good candidate.
1: Uh, i think I, I have a problem with well well Giuliani obviously has a tougher road to hoe in uh, in in the uh, Republican party than Hillary Clinton has in the Democratic Party, but there is one big problem that 's almost subconscious that uh, that hillary's going to be facing in the Democratic party, and that is this in nine, in two thousand and eight when people vote, we will have had people named Clinton or Bush as president of the United States for 20 consecutive years. That is unprecedented in American history. And I think that people are going to be asking themselves, maybe not consciously, but certainly subconsciously, do we really want to trade our most precious office back and forth and back and forth between these two prohibitively weird families?
5: I think that's a very good question. I'm just hoping as voters we can be a little more conscious about our vote.
0: All right. Well, Joe Klein and Mary Dixon, thank you both so much. You're listening to a special edition of Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. In 2004, it was Democrat Howard Dean who vaulted the Internet into prominence as a political campaign tool. WFUV's Scott Detrow has a look at the role it's already playing in the race to 2008.
2: Running for the presidency
0: is a profound decision.
4: I announced today that I'm forming a presidential exploratory committee.
1: Today I file the necessary papers to become candidate. The kickoff
6: to, to president. a presidential campaign used to be an event. Candidates would stand on a stage surrounded by balloons and bunting, to declare they were headed to the White House. These days, though, more and more presidential hopefuls are starting their run with understated videos on their campaign websites. Hi, everyone. And from the looks Welcome of things, that's just the beginning. Web- Hillary Clinton followed up her announcement with a series of web chats. Barack Obama has a biographical video on his site, and John Edwards' web page is filled with all sorts of messages from the candidate. Joan McCurder is a blogger with the political website Daily Coast. She posts under the screen name M C Joan. She says Howard Dean's 2004 campaign was the breakthrough for the net as a political tool, especially as a fundraising machine.
4: It's only, though, been in the last, I'd say, year and a half. It really started to solidify in this last cycle, where candidates particularly recognized that they could use the Internet and use political blogs to help not only garner support, raise money, but also shape their
6: message. And when candidates post messages on their website, they get to control the message. A voter gets to watch the entire video without any filtering or commentary from the mainstream media. And just as importantly, the candidate doesn't have to pay money for airtime. But as appealing as this sounds, Professor Richard Davis of Brigham Young University says campaign websites didn't sway many voters in past elections. He says most of the people who visit a candidate's site have already made up their minds.
1: You have to understand the limits of this technology. It is a medium that requires a user to take action, to go to a website, to get subscribed to an email list. And the vast majority of voters will not do that. And yet they're the people who you actually have to reach.
6: Still, Davis says that won't stop presidential wannabes from going all out on the net, especially when it comes to raising money and organizing voters.
1: We're going to see more innovation. I think we're going to see more podcasting. We're going to see more interaction between bloggers and candidates. We're going to see more of a targeting
6: through emails. But as former Virginia and Senator George Allen now knows, the web can crush a campaign, something. too. This fella here over here with the, the yellow shirt, Macaca, or whatever his name is, he's with my opponent. He's In the age of YouTube, One False Move, One yeah, Mistake is, is available right? online for the voters to watch again and again. again. And as Hillary Clinton found out last month when a clip of her off-key rendition of the national anthem became a YouTube favorite, the 08 candidates are already in the online microscope. So roll up an office chair, click online, and get ready to watch the 2008 presidential campaign unfold from the comfort of your desk. Because it's a guarantee that the Internet is going to play a major role. I'm Scott Detrow, WFUV News.
0: As the Internet takes on a new and increasingly influential role in American politics, another vehicle of political communication remains on the decline, the campaign song. With me is Paul Bowler. He's professor of history emeritus at Texas Christian University, and he's the author of several books on American history, including presidential campaigns from George Washington to George W. Bush. Thanks so much for joining me.
2: My pleasure. Uh,
0: what are you uh, talking about looking at some of the early uh, campaign songs, presidential campaign songs, the lyrics uh, particularly? What do they say about the tone of uh, of some of these early campaigns? And some of them were obviously very influential uh, in these
2: elections. Well, with Thomas Jefferson in 1800, you had a song, Jefferson and Liberty. But it took a little while before songs became important. In fact, I think it wasn't until 1840 that famous log cabin hides uh, hard cider campaign drum, that the songs then took the over and, fighter, and played an essential part the in the campaign for
1: Harrison log cabin and hard cider with Harrison our country's one though no treachery
0: can divide her thy will be done with Harrison log cabin and hard cider I mean, is there a, an, an election that, that that maybe we can point to during this time period where uh, a particularly effective campaign song a, a, a really
2: helped vault a candidate to the presidency? I would say that the songs that the Whigs used in 1840, I think that played an important part in the victory. Uh, all these anti-Van uh, <laughs> Buren songs... Oh, who has heard the great commotion, motion, motion, all the country through? It is the ball a-rolling on for new and Tyler, too, for new and Tyler, too. And with them will beat little van Dan. Dan is a used-up van And with them will beat little van. I think that, that probably songs played more, uh, had more influence in that particular campaign than any others. But I can think of a couple good songs in the 20th century that, that made some difference. Uh, in 1952, I like Ike. You know, it was perfect. I like Ike. i shouted over a mic. Or a phone. Or from the highest steeple. Yes, I like Ike. And Ike is easy to like. Alone. The choice of we the people. I've got to tell you about one amusing uh, song that came out of uh, Jimmy Carter's campaign in 1976. You know, he's a very religious man, very well-behaved and so on, and some people thought he was just a little too goody-goody. So when Playboy uh, offered to interview him, he thought he would do the interview and show that he's a regular guy, too. So when they got to sex... He said, well, you know, I, I don't condemn people, you know, who stray from the path. Uh, I lust in my heart sometimes. And the reporters turned that into a song. I lust in my heart, you know. It's very funny. I assume he didn't use that out on the campaign trail, though. That's no, so- I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know what he really thought. I'm sure he regretted what he
0: said afterward. Looking at the last few campaigns, uh, candidates, they don't have songs written for them anymore. They sort of turn to popular music or something that they think uh, their audience can identify with. Uh, I think Bill Clinton in 1992 was a good example, Uh, that very optimistic uh, appeal to the baby boomer generation with uh, Fleetwood Mac.
2: Well, uh, of course, he comes from the 60s generation, you know, and it'd be the kind of music that he'd be familiar with. And in a sense, it it does did reflect him.
0: Paul Bowler is professor of history emeritus at Texas Christian University. So far, Hillary Clinton hasn't revived her husband's popular campaign theme, instead opting for the Jesus Jones version of Right Here, Right Now. And Barack Obama is making a statement of his own by not employing any songs on the stump so far. His aides say it speaks to the seriousness of his campaign. That's it for this special edition of Cityscape. I'm Shane April. Have a great weekend.